Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp Cricket Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Menzel, a.k.a. Menes, and I have a very special guest today. Pat Cummins is on the show. Pat, welcome to the podcast. How are you? G'day, Menes. I'm good, mate. Good to be here. You got my name right. Stephen O'Keefe called me Menace to um, (laughs) start things off, but no, it's Menes, so good one. So, Pat, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Uh, You're on a bit of a layoff now, not in the UAE. Dodged a bullet there a little bit. Uh, looks like a pretty flat track in the first test. Actually, listeners were recording after day four of the first test. Yeah, it looks pretty flat. It does, yeah. It's, um, oh, you know, I wish I was over there. Obviously, love to play a test match. As, um, you know, played the last, I think, 13 or 14 straight. But I suppose if you're ever going to miss one, it's, you know, it's probably the, the spinners that, um, you know, can hopefully do the job over there. But, yeah, that, that particular week in Dubai looks pretty... Um, pretty Not much movement. Pretty batter-friendly, I think, so... I thought we've bowled really well so far. Um, stuck at it, the boys. I stuck thought. at it. Accurate. Yeah. It's. Um, you know, I think some of the times actually finding a wicket can be out of control on a wicket like that. But we've. Um, I thought we've controlled the run rate pretty well, and yeah, sometimes you just get those wickets where there's not much you can do about it. I think. No, and um, I've noticed that there's this new secret ingredient to fast bowlers called pickle juice. Now, <laughs> I own a cafe and. Pickle juice is actually a really secret ingredient to potato salad. If you want to make a, a killer potato salad, you put in a bit of pickle okay. juice. But what what is it that helps the fast <laughs> bowlers with the cramp? Yeah, it's pickle juice has been something that's um, it's been around for a couple of years. I think it maybe started in the AFL or something like that. But it was actually something our old trainer, Damian Mednez, uh, brought back in. But yeah, basically when you just get the get some cramps you swish around some pickle juice and vinegar and salt i guess yeah something like that um and yeah it's meant to kind of help with the cramping um so i don't know how much of it's placebo how much of it's science i think it's probably a mixture of both but it's um yeah i think it helps when you start feeling cramps 
come on, someone like Starkey when he was down yep. on that day one, I, I think that's pretty hard to come back back yeah. from. But um, well, if you're ever at home and you you know making potato salad and you think how can I jazz <laughs> this up, just reach into the kit bag and pull out the pickle juice. That's it. Or if you're cramping up, just have some potato. Yeah, salad. if you can. Well, that's a good point actually. That might be the summer. Bring out the <laughs> potato salad in the middle of a test. That might not be good for your guts, though, no, when you're running. Maybe in. not. <laughs> All right, so listen, there's a big show today. Pat and I are going to talk about his career so far and talk about the summer ahead. Um, so that's all to come. I just want to run you through some of Pat's amazing statistics. He made his debut for Australia in 2011 at just 18. He has now played 14 tests for Australia, taking 66 wickets at 23.81 and has a batting average of over 20. Pat was also a part of the successful 2015 World Cup squad. Pretty impressive stats. Pat, do you ever look at your own figures? Thanks, Manus. Thanks for reading that out to me. That was nice. Um, oh, not really. I think it's it's probably when you stop playing and you know have a bit of time off that you actually reflect on. You know, say for example, Ashes. You don't think about really your stats or anything. And then after the Ashes, you know, you kind of look at the last five tests as a collective. And yeah, I've been fortunate so far. Everything's kind of gone to plan. And you know, I'm sure one day it won't all go to plan. And I'll have a bad day. Yeah, have a few bad test matches. Um, but yeah, it's it's all been good at the moment. No, it's you kind of just play each day as it. Yeah, as it when comes. you're in when you're in the moment, and I would, I'm not going to say grind, but when you're in the daily routine, I guess you don't often reflect. But that's the one good thing about podcasts, Pat. We can do a bit of reflection today. Uh, but let's start off. I saw you doing something different for Channel Seven. I saw you commentating mm. during the Australian women's cricket. I always love to sort of ask how players interact with the media because it's such a big part of your life. Yeah. Did you like the commentating? I actually really enjoyed it. I was um yeah I was a little little bit maybe not hesitant but um I've never really done it before or anything like it so um yeah the opportunity came up and I thought yeah I'll give it a go you know pretty historic game and um, North Sydney Oval is a great ground and I was yep. free so I thought let's do it and um yeah I absolutely loved it um, I think T20s probably a good introduction it's there's always something happen happening and it was a great game so there was lots of runs and wickets yeah I, I found it. You know, I wasn't too nervous. I was pretty relaxed. And, Great. Um, Could be something to do post-playing. Maybe. Um, yeah, wait and see. I'm, you know, I was quite happy to uh, finish fi- finish up my stint <laughs> and get back to training ready to play. But um, In the uh, hot seat. There was a lot of pressure that night. Yeah. It was, um, different pressure to play. Yeah, different pressure. I think the good thing about, say, that game was, you know, the girls put on an absolute show. So it's just about talking about everything that's great at, that everyone's watching on their screen so yeah hopefully i added a couple of things into the into the coverage but yeah you know the the main product the, the actual cricket was brilliant and how do you go when you're on the other side and you're listening to commentators or you're reading articles did you you know do you get annoyed do you how do you interact with the media about you or the team um no i think it's all pretty good i think especially the i guess the media that you know the commentators or the say the journalists that fly around you kind of build up a bit of a rapport with them mm. you, you're in the same hotel rooms the same flights you know you see them before play every day and um they all kind of give their opinions knowing the full story of being away on tour for six months 12 months spending a couple of months in the subcontinent so you know it's in the end it, what 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 makes us um i guess recognized and known you know they, they tell our stories at which you know we just go out and bat and bowl and they can make us, I guess, look good or look bad, but um, yeah, offer up a, another opinion on us, which yeah, I, you know, embrace. I think the more people that are talking about cricket, the better. 
Um, promotes the game. Promotes the game, um, gets people talking, starts conversations. You know, I've probably been luckier than, than some others in that I've been quite young and, um, you know, even when I've injured or had a bad day, I, I think, you know, I've been probably looked after a bit better because I've been so young. Um, well, I couldn't find anything bad about you on the line. No, there was nothing there, so <laughs> yeah, I, it's all pretty I'm also nice pretty stuff. handy on the internet. I can go deleting. <laughs> <laughs> deleting stuff. I noticed um, when I had Josh Hazelnut on the podcast, that's my nickname for him, um, <laughs> he said that when a, an ex-player uh, dishes out criticism, the current players are a little bit more in tune to that. Maybe it's just because they're sort of taking it on board more because it's an ex-player. Would you say that's... Yeah, I think... I think the big big one is depending on what place they're kind of giving the criticism. I think if it's if it's constructive, if it's um, you know well thought out, hundred percent. We love hearing that. Some players probably deal with it better than others, but you know when greats of the games who've really sat down, looking you know know the full picture, have their opinion. You've got to sit down and listen. Um, I think I think occasionally some, and it's really small minority of of people in cricket might come out and say, you know, big statements. Headline grabbers. Headline grabbers, which I guess sometimes disappoints certain players because they were in that position 10, 20, 30 years ago. And, you know, I guess when you speak to them in person, they're, they're always really great, really positive, really constructive. And then, um, yeah, every now and then, a, you know, a headline will come out, which just doesn't sound like, you know, the person you know, but it's it's really rare that that happens. Yeah, and that's kind of, I think, part of the media game that, to, to sell papers, to gain interest sometimes. You know, Michael Vaughan's a classic one for coming out with the, the big statement or warning. So I think from a player's point of view, I would take all that with a grain of salt. Yeah. If you toned it down a bit, you'd probably get the real opinion. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You know, I know well, any Australian team I've been in, you know, the great thing is when you're on tour, you've we've all been really tight. You know, you've got probably 15 staff, 15 players. So you've got a group of... 30 people plus families and and it's a pretty tight squad so all those kind of externalities that you can't control seem to get shut out a little bit more and you know I remember a couple of years ago I was so nervous over here that the 2015 Ashes over in England was about to start and they were um, you know calling for the heads of a couple of our players and I remember feeling so nervous for the boys about to play their first test and then I remember uh, I think uh, Ryan Harris got injured with his knee and he actually had to retire because of that. And I got flown over right at the last minute. I remember I was really nervous. It was, you know, all the papers were full about the ashes and I got into camp and everyone was so calm and chilled out. And I thought, this is crazy. I was on the other side of the world, 10 times more nervous than I what I, what I am now in the change room, ready wow. to walk out and play. So it can, I guess it can get in your head. And uh, do, you, do you go on social media much and sort of see what's going on there and people throwing out comments left, right and centre? Yeah, I've um, you know I've got Facebook and Twitter, and yeah, I guess you see where all the conversations are being steered. But as you say, you've people that you take with a grain of salt, and there's people you really listen to. And you know, I think everyone's got some some really good points. And yeah, it's up to us as players about listening to all of them and, and trying to come up with things that might help us. Yeah, well, it seems like you've got really good perspective because you spent a lot of time out of the game. I've got here between your first and second tests, it was one thousand nine hundred and forty six <laughs> days. Which is five years, three months, and 27 days. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a long time between the first and the second test. So I guess you had a lot of time to sort of live a life that was outside cricket. I read you studied um, during that time. Yeah, I did, I did a Bachelor of Business. It only took me about six years. <laughs> we got there in Better the end. Better than me. Yeah, I think I was probably lucky in that I, I kind of got the best of both worlds in that, you know, I spent 
probably six months to a year at a time in the test team, or, you know, in the Australian team, and kind of lived on that side of the fence, and then unfortunately got injured. But then I kind of came back to being a uni student or you know training here with all my state teammates. It's like balance. Yeah, I guess it was. I'd much prefer to be on tour the whole time, but it's the way it worked out, and it probably does give give you a bit more perspective than than being on tour or you know at all times. But um. Yeah, it's it's certainly not my preference. I would have preferred to be playing, but I, I think I think a lot of the players, to be honest, have the balance um, and the p- perspective pretty pretty right. And I think it's something JL will keep kind of honing into us as well. Yeah, how important that is, and yeah, knowing how how much the public want to get behind us and just embracing all of that. Yeah, that seems to be a common uh, theme from both the men's and women's teams now. That you know you really want to make Australia proud the way you play. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a big part of um, you know JL's motto, um, and I'm I'm sure it's part of Moddy's motto for the women's team as well. But it's you know I, I think we can get so I guess performance focused, which we've got to do. You know, it's our job. It's where we, we get picked to perform and try and win games. It's your career, your livelihood on the line. A hundred percent. But there's there's also that other I guess thing that we've got to uphold, which is you got to play the right right way. You've got to do what the fans want you've got a you've got a tradition to uphold and you know you've got a lot of people that you are looking up to you for you know guidance how, how they want to see the game of cricket run so there's all these other I guess external pressures which maybe we, we didn't put as much importance in in the past and um, you know it's just probably just a reset with JL and um, you know new captain new coach and just yeah the, I guess the public demand here so <laughs> bloody it's, um, big reset Pat yeah I mean it's been a big year in Australian cricket but look speaking of making Australia proud last summer you had a great year nine test matches took the total of 45 wickets you probably don't know this but 12 ahead of Hazelwood and 11 ahead of Stark during the same period on wickets so at the moment you're leading the fast bowling cartel <laughs> you've got a bit of bragging rights and I don't think Stark will catch up with you at the moment but it must have been really satisfying after sort of really working hard for that five years out of the game to play in a home successful Ashes series yeah it was I, I, such a big part yeah, it felt like, I guess, for those five or six years where I was in and out of the side because of injury, I felt like every time I came back, I, I bowled well and I felt like I belonged in the Australian team. But the big jump up from white ball cricket to red ball cricket, just my body was never ready. So I felt like my form was there. I was I was itching to get out there, but it just felt so far away. So you know, last summer was the first time I felt like everything clicked. I felt like I was bowling well, but my body could, could handle it and... For it to culminate in a home Ashes series, a big win, you know, got got to play all five tests and 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 played um you know as well as I would have liked, it was more than I could have ever asked for. So yeah, now it's just building on that, making sure I do that, you know, again and again and again. So yeah, I can't wait for it all. And how were the relations between the English and the Aussie team last summer? Good. Yeah. Yeah, all good. I think nowadays you you play with so many different people across the world. You know, most of our test sided play county cricket at some stage and. You've either got teammates on the other side, or you've got friends of friends, or you know everyone kind of knows each other. So, no doubt, it was at times on the field, it was quite um you know heated and passionate. But you know, I don't think it ever got too personal. You know, it's, you might be bantering with the batsman, you might be giving him a, a bit of a stare down the wicket, but it's it's not because you hate him. It's it's because you just want to you know get him out and get be really head. competitive. So, I, mean, I thought it was played in um, you know as far as I know, really good spirit, really tough cricket. 
you know these the Australian pitchers this year were were pretty tough on their bowlers and and they just kept running in and running in yeah I, you know I thought it was a really good series and fortunately we got up 4-0 yeah it was amazing uh, now I just want to step back a bit and, and just ask you because you know you've you've had such a a, a long road and and it's been um you know ups and downs in terms of injuries and you seem really sort of together and there's no, no one will say a bad word about you. So do you have an overarching philosophy about the way you approach your career? Do you have sort of some, you know, goals or, or just a, a philosophy? I mean, no, I think a philosophy that's, I guess, drilled into me from probably a combination of, you know, my parents and growing up in a big family, but also just the injuries I had was just never looking too far ahead. I think in the past I've probably, you know, stressed out a bit or got worked up about a certain performance thinking too far ahead thinking of the end goal or whatever for me now I guess I'm I'm where I want to be I'm, I'm in the side for pretty much all three formats it's just about trying to perform every every time I go out there so I guess the, the philosophy is just you, know, you can think about the future but just trying to be present as much as possible each day just trying to nail that test match that day you know that spell and this summer is going to be no different we've got the ashes we've got the world cup next year but when you're out running out the SCG for a, a spell, you're not thinking about that. You're, you're thinking about the couple of balls that are coming up and how to get this guy out. So I think just trying to nail that down and make sure that I kind of remember that all those times I missed out, you know, all those... Appreciate it. Yeah, just just, just keep appreciation. Um, I heard uh, James Anderson on a podcast this week. He's got his own podcast, but this was on another one, that... He used to plan ahead a lot, but he's learnt at the back end of his career, he's much better off just small goals, you know, focusing on the day or the ball even and not getting too far ahead of himself. So I guess it you know, worked for the, the most wicket-taking fast bowler in history. So I guess it's a, it's a good philosophy. Who, who's influenced your sort of journey? You know, do, is it your family? Do you have a coach? Do you have a mentor maybe? Uh, I've had a lot of people. Um, I, th- I think first of all... I. You know, I grew up in quite a big family. I've got two older brothers, two sisters, and you know, parents both love sport and dad loved cricket. So sport was a big part of my childhood. Every afternoon after school, all holidays would be in the backyard playing cricket or you know, you know, kicking a footy in the off-season. So I guess playing with my two older brothers, being competitive with them pretty much every day of my life obviously had a massive influence on you know, how I play cricket. And then I think once I started coming up the ranks and you know, I had a, had a few really good people, you know, DK Lilly's probably the most obvious one. That in recent years, um, I went to him to wow. to try and just remodel a couple of things in my action. Which, um, you know, when I was 17, 18, I was arms and legs all over the place. So just trying to straighten things up, and um, he was just an absolute guru for me. Um, just, I think sometimes you have to kind of take three steps backwards to try and make that incremental change forward. But with him, I felt little changes straight away I felt like a better bowler so love working with him and he's been great but to be honest in the Aussie setup the, the biggest influences for me are probably Mitchell Stark and, and Joshy Hayeswood um, they've you know pl- played a bit more test cricket than I have kind of a couple of years ahead of me and the way they go about their cricket the way they get themselves through a whole year or a season and um, you know Someone like Joshy, how relaxed he is all year round and nothing phases him too much. He doesn't think too much far ahead. They're great influences for me to show how fast bowlers at the top of their game can 
can kind of manage their way through a season and, and get the best out of themselves on each day. Yeah, it's amazing watching the three of you. You're a very tight bunch, you know. It's, it's just one of those things. Not often you'll get the three fast bowlers coming from one state and therefore sort of having this really tight bond. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. I noticed with Josh Hazelwood, he's really starting to grow into, you know, a senior role in the team, not just being given vice-captain. Even before that, I think... You know, he's starting to really show that he wants to be a leader in the team. Yeah, yeah, spot on. I think he's, it's probably a combination of, you know, naturally kind of organically happening. He's, he's been a, one of the constants in the team, you know, ODI team and the test team for probably close to four or five years now. And we, we've only got a couple of, I guess, constants, but <laughs> he's, um, you know, he's, he's stayed the same person the whole time. He's a good thinker of the game. He communicates well. He's mates with everyone. He gets, you know, you know what you're going to get with him. He's calls it like um, he sees it too. He doesn't mince words. Hundred percent, and you know it's coming from a really good place. So, you know, he's vice captain now. You know, along with Marshy, but he's a he's a great team man in that he knows how to, I guess, get everyone up for it. But also, he's just a good calming influence on everyone as well. Yeah, great. And I guess I want to ask, how did? the ball tampering fiasco in South Africa affect your outlook and approach? How did it make you rethink the way you approach the game yeah, from a personal point of view? Yeah, personally, it's probably the first time I stepped out of Australian tour in probably 18 months, you know, 18 months on the road. So it gave me that time to, I guess, reflect. And obviously there was a billion words written about it. So you... um it, yeah, you, you've got to sit back and reflect. For me, I think it it was just that that appreciation and, and realizing that hang on, cricket isn't just the fifteen guys, eleven guys that walk out in the field, fifteen guys on tour, whatever it is. Cricket is all of Australia. Everyone's got an opinion. Um, you know, everyone's passionate about it. Playing a little test match over in Cape Town, and suddenly, literally every twenty five million persons, people in Australia, talking have an opinion it, about it and about talking it. about it. So. I think just realizing how how much responsibility we have, and it's not thinking it's scary, but thinking it's a privilege, and just yeah, sitting back and thinking, okay, how do I want a cricket to be seen? How if I was a kid, how would I want to see my players play? Um, you know, my heroes looking up to them, and yeah, just I guess giving myself a bit of a reminder that you you got to do what's right by cricket, and um, you know, hopefully this summer I can do that, but you know, hopefully I don't have to change too much. Yeah, and do you do you look back now on the way the team was? in South Africa and sort of wonder if there's anything you could have done differently? I think something that's been spoken about a little bit in the media is how, how really aggressive and, and kind of upfront, you know, we are on the field sometimes and knowing everyone in the change room, we're not like that as people. So maybe just trying to rebalance that a little bit, trying to, I guess, improve the improve the perception of, of us. But, um, you know, it starts by how we play on the field. And, yeah, just, I guess, making our personalities closer to, I guess, the the bravado that we show on the field. Wow. Well, I mean, it was a harrowing week there between the third and fourth test. But then you you came out in the fourth test and you had your best test so far. You took nine for 141 and made your maiden test 50. I mean, it must have been really challenging to perform in that circumstance. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, probably the hardest thing was just how drained we all were. It was, you know, the ninth test, basically, of the summer. We'd bowled, I think I bowled over 50 overs in Cape Town only a couple of days earlier. So, just physically exhausted. 
and then add to that the stress of everything that happened kind of you know unprecedented it was it was just kind of one of those moments where you just kind of have to pick up the ball and go all right i've just got to got to go and do this you know 100 percent. it's um no one cares that you saw no one cares that you you know you you know it's the last game probably gutted i mean it was you know heartbreaking and um you know we just wanted to play a good game try and make australia proud back home um in what was a really tough week for cricket so um yeah unfortunately the result didn't really go our way that test but um yeah, got through it. In those circumstances. I must admit, from a fan's point of view, and a long-time fan of Australian cricket, South Africa does something to me, or the South African team and the fans, <laughs> they really just get under my skin. They, I, during that series, got really heightened emotions. So I can only imagine what playing there, playing against them must be. I, I don't know what it is, the history there, but so, sort of the similar hard approach to cricket seems to really sort of clash when the two teams come together. Yeah, I agree. It's um, yeah, I think in a lot of ways Australia and South Africa have similar personalities as as people. We're all really, I guess, patriotic, really passionate about our sport, and probably like to be seen as the underdogs. And their their crowds, uh, exactly, I guess, what we ask of our crowds to to other teams. They're um, you know, they're pretty brutal. They they don't have any filter. They love seeing good cricket, but they were um, you know, if you want to get their respect you've, you've got to earn it and um yeah that series over there was l- like all those things times times a thousand you know it was really highly strong yeah. i think you know from both sides um the players and also the fans and you know even even the um i guess the organizations as well so it was a really i guess stressful few weeks and yeah happy we're, i heard we're over um, jeff allardyce uh, icc general manager talking uh, during this test about touring teams being treated with more respect by the hosts and something that he thinks they've talked about before, but it hasn't happened. And he's talking about everything, not just sort of, um, you know, looking, making sure they're well looked after, but also good practice games and, and just trying to actually start respecting touring teams more. I think it's a, a valid point. Yeah, I think you, you want the best chance to succeed. I can only really speak of the performance side of things and trying to get ready for, say, the first test. In, and, yeah, to be honest, I've always felt like we've been really well looked after it, you know, when we tour overseas, get get good trial games um, that replicate you know the games quite well. I know just recently in the before this Pakistan series, there was a lot spoken that they didn't play any spinners in that warm up game. You know things like that. I, yeah, I think it's. I guess you you hope that you just want to give the other team the best chance of going well, but at the same time making it uncomfortable during the games and making yeah. it foreign for them. But I, I think with striking that balance, yeah, I think the preparation for me is. You just want good cricket. So yeah. you want your, the team that's touring to have a, a decent warm-up game. So the first test of a series is a spectacle and it adds you know, adds to the spectators' enjoyment and you know, they're seeing two yeah. good teams battling out. Yeah, and I think, I think something like an Ashes series, part of the allure of Ashes is that you play four or five kind of um, tour matches during the whole series. So you play a couple in between test matches, you play two or three before test, so it's... It's a real kind of three or four month window of, you know, they're going to play in England. This is all about playing Get in England, getting conditions. yourself ready. You don't want teams thinking, oh, we're not going to get great preparation over there, so we'll fly in two days before the game. Um, I just don't think that's good for anyone. No, not at all. All right, we're going to take a quick break, listeners. But before we do that, Pat, I just want to ask you, as I've said many times, it just you seem good at everything. Um <laughs> Just to make us all feel better, is there something you're not good at? Away from cricket, you know, is there um, something you struggle with? 
My girlfriend says I'm not very romantic, so maybe that. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's probably a big one. Um, well, there you go. That's, I'm that's not great at enough. music. I can't sing, can't yeah. dance. What's, uh, that's, so what's your idea of a romantic date then? Pub watching the cricket? 100%. I actually did that on Sunday. <laughs> Went for a Sunday lunch for the pub and had the cricket on. <laughs> Didn't miss a ball. It's great. <laughs> okay, listeners. So that's it. Uh, ladies out there, you, you heard it first. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Before we take a break, I just want to remind you all, please subscribe to the show on any podcast app, including um, the Apple Podcast app, the, the Google Podcast app. We're also on Player FM, Pocket Cast. You can listen to the show on Spotify. So please rate and review the show on whatever app you listen to the show on. Subscribe. And uh, thank you to Frank and Hugh for two five-star reviews this week on <laughs> iTunes. Um, really good Great stuff. Work. Yeah, good work. And uh, we'll be back in a moment to finish the podcast with Pat Cummins. Welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp cricket podcast. I'm here with Pat Cummins. What what a guest to have on. Uh, Better than Ben Horn and Pete Lawler. That is for (laughs) sure. We've just lost two subscribers. What was that? (laughs) We've just lost two subscribers. Well, yeah, two panellists might be hard to get back on. So let's um, let's talk a little bit about the Aussie team. I've sort of got to be in my bonnet, and I know you can't comment on selection, so I'm not going to put you in that position. But you know, I think the selectors seem to be changing their minds on lots of players. I'm not going to name names, but they come in, they come out, and and the order seems to be changing all the time. Don't players need sort of some kind of backing and some kind of time in the team to get comfortable? I think it always helps. Um, I've, you know, when I've played at my best, it's when I've felt really comfortable and um, in my the way I'm bowling, the place in the team, and you don't really think about, you know, I guess, those externalities. You just think about bowling that next ball. So, I think that's always the goal. It's, you know, it's really easy to say that. Um, I think the biggest thing about Test cricket is you you play so many different conditions here, there, in between, you know, other people playing county cricket, IPL. Mm. So there's there's so many different factors that go into it. But it's, um, yeah, I guess that's why, you know, some like a jail or, you know, Buff, that, that's that's what they do really well. It's it's about, I guess, really empowering those people who might be their first game or they might have just come back in the side or just got dropped and, and trying to empower them to get the best out of themselves. Yeah, but like someone like a Matt Wrench or a Pete Hanscom who've shown promise at Test Cricket, made hundreds in tough situations sort of drift and, and aren't in the team anymore and I don't know when I was growing up there seemed to be like a pecking order and you had to work really hard to get in that pecking order of Australian batsmen and I sort of seems like it's not quite there yet what, what's your impression of that it's like yeah, juggling I, yeah I, I mean growing up it was that was my perception as a kid I think we're all so lucky that we had you know, the test team was probably made up of eight or nine absolute greats of the games that we still talk about and um but you're right it didn't get a game yeah exactly but you're right they were you know they were all constants in the team pretty much for you know seven eight nine years so as i said i think that's always the goal it's it's i think probably comes back to if you're hitting hundreds week after week you know you're averaging 60 70 you know you can't be dropped so do you it's, ever pick up the teams that are announced and go, oh, I didn't expect that? It's it's kind of interesting being away from it. Sometimes you, it, it's easy just to look kind of at, at objective things and think stats here to here. When you're on tour, everything kind of seems to fall in place a little bit easier than someone might be carrying injuries, someone might not be feeling that good about themselves in terms of form. The stuff or, we might not know. Yeah, I think there's always, 
I guess a few more factors than um, you can maybe just look by by looking up stats. But oh, I think it's really important that we we do look at stats and you know as well. You know, you, you back some players, back some players in, give them some time to build into their games and their careers. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And um, yeah, you know, I'm sure the selectors and the coaches all think that and and um, you know come up with their team. So. I haven't been over there, so you know, never know what's going on. But, but we're um, talking generally. I don't want to, you know, make you talk about <laughs> particular all selections. Um, all right, so Justin Lang is in there. Big fan of JL. I love his attitude. I love his. What I love about Justin Langer is he's always growing. From when he made his test debut twenty-seven years ago or something to now, he seems to always be on this path of self-discovery and self-growth. How have your dealings been with him? I actually um, haven't spent too much time with him, to be honest, the last couple of months um, being out of tour. We've done a couple of camps where we've come together and, um, you know, some of the things he spoke about is just, you just can't help but wanting to go run out and play and run through a brick wall for him. You know, he's so passionate, patriotic, knows what he, how he wants to play, how he wants us to be his people, his vision, his standards. He's just got, got such a clear vision and... Um, you know, I think he's just, it's quite infectious. He wants to drag everyone along with him. And yeah, I am, um, it's probably one of the big things I'm looking forward to this, this summer is, um, you know, working with him. I, I love working with Buff for five or six years. And, you know, JL's going to be, yeah, probably Is he giving slightly you different direction. Any, you know, personal tips or anything? Um, I, I guess the, probably the one thing that I, you know, did appreciate was it's a, it's a really new team. Some like Joshy Hazelwood and I, we've missed the last couple of tours, but, still being able to give us that big picture idea of don't worry you're injured but we've got the summer we've got ashes we've got this don't stress out about now I think for a new coach coming in that that's been pretty impressive that he can still be I guess patient and um and not put too much pressure on us so um that's probably the the first things and yeah the second things is just you you got to play good cricket but you've also got to be good people so yeah it's looking forward to working with him more has he tried to set you up with one of his daughters <laughs> He did actually say I could marry his daughter. Um, yeah, what was that? I think probably five or six girlfriend, days. Probably not. Well, yeah, this was probably seven or eight years ago. But he, he seven did, or eight years ago. Yeah, I was um, I was only eighteen, and he was uh, he was batting coach, and he did mention I would let you marry one of my daughters if if she wanted. Uh, <laughs> one so of uh, it the, might have changed. That was that was a long time ago. <laughs> I had a, po- a guest on the podcast a long time ago, and his daughter I think went to school with you, and you okay. asked her out on a date. I don't know her last. If, I'm not actually going to say a name, but. She said no, apparently, and it's one of her big regrets. So, I feel like there's a bit of mail on that. <laughs> I don't know who I passed out for a date at school. Well, I'll tell you off air. I okay. Don't, I don't want to drop her in any case. Um, but, yeah, so someone did say no. So there All we right. Go. And I didn't miss out on a date at the pub by the sounds of it. <laughs> I guess before I let you go, let's just have a quick look at the summer ahead. India are coming Huge challenge. Um, now, I'm going to give you another opportunity to walk back, give your out Coley comments. I'm going to say, I think in all likelihood, Coley will probably score 100 sometime this summer. <laughs> but that doesn't mean Australia can't win. Yeah. Well, I guess my comments were, <laughs> I, was, I was like every other Australian fan. <laughs> I hope Coley doesn't get 100 this, <laughs> exactly. this season. Most likely he probably will. Number one in the world. He's coming off you know, great form. But it must he, be a huge uh, challenge for you, this, the batting lineup coming out here. After playing them in India, now you get them on your home wickets. Yeah, 100%. I think historically they've, they've struggled over here in Australia, but the big difference now is they've got a side that are probably one of the best at touring around the world out of all the test sides. They've all 
used to fast bowling. They're all used to bouncy wickets. Um, they've got some fast bowlers. They've got some fast bowlers. Got some great um, spinners. So it's going to be a real challenge. You know, it's it's no longer, I guess, the try and bowl them out with pace or try and you know outbat their fast bowlers. It's it's going to be a real tussle. And yeah, to, to win it, we're going to have to knock over a couple of their, you know, some some of the best batsmen in the world really cheaply. Um, so I can't wait for it all. As I said, I hope Coley doesn't get get 100, but I'm sure he will at some stage against me um, and against us. Yeah, it should be good fun. Absolutely. And then, I mean, it's just such a big 12 months of cricket. You know, after this summer, Australia goes to England next year for the World Cup defence and then you play in Ashes. I mean, you don't get any bigger in a year of cricket, do you? No, no, not at all. I think, um, I think basically when we start or we go over to the ODIs in a couple of weeks and... From then till after the Ashes next year, I think we're you know we're home for about ten days all wow. up or something like that. So it's it's non-stop and and we can't wait for it all. Big series against India, Sri Lanka is big series. You know any series at home is big, but they've been playing some really good cricket the last couple of years. And then we've got lots of ODIs leading into the World Cup. Obviously trying to retain our trophy. Once every it's, four years. It's, it's worrying me. So I've got the results here since the last World Cup. The 50-over side, they've won 27 out of 60 games. But when you break it down, they've won only nine of the last 30 and one of their last 10 games. So the 50-over the side's not tracking the right way at the moment. Uh, what, what do you think you need to do to just right the ship? I think the good thing is we've got lots of games before the World Cup. Joshy Hazelwood and I were actually just speaking, so we've you know got the three games coming up against South Africa, and we actually thought this is probably the first time we've played ODIs in a while where we've actually been really fresh, and it hasn't come off a Test series or um, you know in between series. So we just can't wait to get started on those those games, um, find a combination. I think the good thing this JLT Cup, we had some big scores, a lot of people stood up. You know, Chris Lynn scored mm. a couple of hundreds, Darcy Short scored an incredible two hundred and fifty odd. Yeah, we had some spinners that bowled well, some quicks that did well. So everyone's been playing one-day cricket. We've got heaps of games leading to the World Cup. It's about finding the right combination, getting in form, and then trying to peak at the World Cup. We I don't want to peak too early. From a fran- <laughs> fan's point of view, what you said is very true, that you know, if, if the one-day has come after a, a series or shoehorned in, then there's invariably a couple of players resting. Then there can be a couple of players injured. And so you don't really know what our best... 11 or 12 players are in the 50 over side yet so I guess locking down roles and combinations is crucial sort of to get some momentum yeah and we've got I think we've got you know at least a dozen games before the World Cup plus warm-up games and those kind of things so we'll find that combination we'll get you know we'll get people in form I've can only get better from you know bowling more you get better at death bowling new ball yep. bowling middle bowling so the more you play the better you get so you know we've all got a bit of work to do but yeah you know, we've got a great history in in tournament play um australia does and obviously we won it you know only a few years ago and we've got still probably five or six of the players in the side so yeah can't wait and we should you know it's expect great format to do well. you know playing every team once really does mean you will know who the best four teams are that make the semis there's no excuses yep Yep, and it's you know it's going to be it's going to be a real tournament. You know, it's you can start off well, but you've you've got to keep going for that you know month or five week tournament and peak at the back end. But you've you've got to get there, and so it's going to be. Uh, I suppose previous ones has been kind of a week gap in between, so you almost play the eleven players pretty pretty consistently. I think this one's going to be a real squad mentality. I think all fifteen players will will play quite a bit. You playing ten games in. 
potentially 11 games in five weeks is a lot of cricket for fast bowlers. So it's going to be, a, you know, everyone's going to be needed. There's going to be niggles. There's going to be form drops. It's going to be a whole squad, I think. Great. And am I right? You didn't play in the World Cup final, did you? No, no. So, I played uh, a couple and then, uh, yeah, Joshy Hayes So you must play. be a... That must be a, a, an ambition, I guess, to, to play in a World Cup final. For sure. I, I still put that World Cup as, you know, one of my career highlights if not probably my biggest career highlight and I, I was hardly part of it so I was, uh, I was running the drink so I um yeah it's just that so raw special when Stark got McCullough oh. I mean that, that unforgettable 100% so I guess I was I was almost in the middle of it last time I, I want to be right in the thick of it this time excellent well Pat you've given up a lot of your time thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's been a real pleasure to have have you on the show and uh, can't wait to see you back back in action for australia this summer good luck and uh we'll be cheering the boys on great thanks manis cheers mate all right listeners you've been listening to pat cummins on cricket unfiltered i'm your host andrew mensel and we'll be back soon with another podcast Podcast Network.